Hello and welcome to episode two of Electrifying AI, a podcast series focused on the electric power industry. My name is Simon Hughes from SAS and I will be your host today. And as in previous episode, in our previous episode, I'm joined by our resident industry expert, Sal Gill. Hello, Sal. Hey, everyone. Good to be here again. Nice to see you again, sir. Uh, and just because some of you may be wondering where we're actually speaking from, there is clearly a difference in the way we speak. So I'm in the northwest of England. And Sal, where are you? I'm in sunny Phoenix, Arizona. And uh, very sunny that is there, I should think, too. And, and whereas, whereas I live on a wet rock in the Atlantic, uh, Sal's essentially in the middle of a desert. We are, we are poles apart weather-wise. Um, in this podcast series, we aim to think, keep things pretty brief and candid and informal, but and at the same time, only sort of loosely scripted. Um, hopefully you will hear and see some informed commentary, not from me, of course, but from Sal, who we employ for that very thing. And uh, that said, Sal, um, when it comes to commentary, you, you made a reference in our previous episode, and you made a gag, essentially, I didn't quite catch. Something to do with tea wars, and I thought you were talking about the 4th of July, dumping tea into harbours. And in fact, you were talking about the whole internet storm, this whole business of how to make a good cup of tea. And a lady from the US, uh, from North Carolina, we think, uh, a rather tongue-in-cheek suggesting that you should put cloves and cinnamon and, and some awful stuff into a cup of tea. So um, a diplomatic incident sort of ensued, ambassadors trading videos. It was all very silly. But uh, I think in terms of informed commentary, everyone, it's probably best if Sal sticks to the power industry and I'll handle any of the tea stuff and then we can we can move on. Um, so through this series and, this, and the coming weeks, Sal and I are going to explore a whole range of issues. This is our second episode, and today we're going to cover the COVID-19 pandemic and its effect upon the power industry. And, and so, Sal, clearly the pandemic has involved um, a personal tragedy, sadly, for some people and significant economic and uh, lifestyle impacts for all of us, really, no matter where we live. As we hopefully move beyond this first phase, you know, commentators are starting to articulate, you know, what is the long-term effect upon specific industry sectors? And in the news, I know we see on British TV... Retails in you know retail is troubled and travel is bad and hospitality's you know really troubled. Um, I haven't heard much about the power industry, Sal. So, in your assessment, where where is the what is the effect of the pandemic on the power industry as you see it? Simon, unfortunately, due to the global uncertainty around you know the, the, just the entire pandemic and that leading to um, some major economic downturns in, in many different parts of the world. In fact, in all parts of the world. That has also impacted the electricity industry as well. So in right. particular, uh, because of job losses and, and, and um, people getting furloughed and, and things like that, it's, it's impacting um, individuals' ability to pay mortgages, uh, bills, right. and in particular, electric bills. So yep. that, that, is, that is something that our space is experiencing as well. Fortunately for us, in, in, in many different jurisdictions, they have set up moratoriums on payments. So they're giving right. people the ability um, to, to pay back, but in, in, in some time. So we're looking, you know, three to six months, depending on where you are. So right. there's, unfortunately, that's something we have experienced as well. Yes. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. And, and, and not alone in that regard. So, so tough times for individuals. And that's presumably putting a bit of a pinch on the power companies who, who would ordinarily be expecting their bills to be paid and then they sort of need that money, I guess, to support their business. So so what has been the impact on the power companies themselves? Individuals are, are, are tr- having a tough time. How are the power companies coping? Indeed, what are they trying to handle? Right. So, so far, I mean, it's been short term. So 
but if as as this thing continues and it and it, it perhaps um, may even continue for another year, it could. we're gonna we're gonna see some interesting themes evolve. And this is my opinion. Uh, my perspective on this is that we're looking at an environment where, if the utilities aren't able to recoup the investments, then does that mean? Um, that you know we're going to have some loss in in service uh, in terms of you know the, right. the maintenance of the grid, as you know, and, and as we discussed this in the first episode, our industry is very asset intensive, yeah. so that requires a lot of um, taking care of the equipment that's out on the grid. Now, well, yeah, as a, and it's danger and safety issues, I guess, as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And as as important as that piece is, it's it's also interesting to look at it from the angle of of finance. So, if we're mm-hmm. not, you know, if, if customers aren't able to pay their bills, and you know that population swells and, and gets larger and larger, which each, with each quarter that passes, or depending on how long this thing takes, yeah, what does that mean in terms of the utilities? Um, capability to collect these bills now does that mean that one avenue could be that these utilities may actually increase rates because they have to still continue to provide electricity so the the rest of us pay pay more prices rise potentially potentially is is that the future that we're looking into now as we will talk in this episode i think there's some other interesting dynamics at play as well uh related to renewables and such which we will explore how that pricing situation um, may may get impacted from a different perspective. Got you. So, so the power companies having to now look at their customers and have an understanding mm-hmm. of what they can afford to pay, and making a judgment call about how much revenue they perhaps are going to receive and and how best to use that. That's a, mm-hmm. I guess that speaks to sort of operational effectiveness and and how to how to how to balance. Right, the books right. and juggle juggle these various things. What sort of things are they having to deal with? I mean, are these things that they're having to deal with that they wouldn't have had to deal with before, or is it, is it mm-hmm. just the scale of this which is which is, mm-hmm. makes it very different? Yeah, I think Simon, it's the scale, and perhaps if we split it up into two different segments here, one, let's look at the customer side, right? So we obviously have talked about these customers that may not be able to pay their bills. Right. Is there a way that uh, utilities can predict what type of customers these may be and and you know the right. quantity of these or the population of these customers and and to yeah. me that that is a very interesting play for uh, bridging analytics with our with our industry uh, where we can run yeah. different types of uh, scenarios to to come to those types of conclusions and looking at different variables um, yeah I know and, Simon, and bank- this is work that you've been involved in the past so I'd, I'd well be yeah to hear your I was just thinking you know uh, I mean I worked at Bank for a long time before I joined SAS I've been at SAS 17 odd years but I mean I think they did pr- Predicting when customers can't pay things is, is, is banks and insurance companies have been doing that for thirty years. So this is that's it's not a new skill for them, but it's possibly a new phenomena in perhaps the power industry. It wasn't perhaps as necessary as it perhaps has just become or will become. Right now, the the other aspect to this is the the supply chain or the you know the the suppliers' perspective that that provide to utilities. And what COVID nineteen has done is it's it's also amplified what what uh, what we may call the fraud triangle, right? So what is this fraud triangle? Right. The fraud triangle is really a three legged stool, and okay. it's composed of um, the the pressure. So pressure is the the first leg, and all what pressure is is the the financial situation that companies may find themselves in, or individuals even may find themselves in. So that that creates that that pressure motive. Um, the second part is the opportunity. So 
is there is there now a time where, for instance, you know, we, we're we're too distracted these days, right? So every everybody has uh, a different type of uh, uh, a role or um, yeah. work that they probably probably previously were not doing. There's a lot going on, and, yeah. And and is there is that distracting from from things, right? So that that's sort of creating an opportunity for things like right. fraud to penetrate. And okay. then the third, the third piece is rationalization. So the, that that's the third leg, and what that means is, you know, is there a um, is there some sort of catastrophe that's happened or a major event that's happened, and we are in such an event, which is the yes. uh, the COVID nineteen pandemic. So that's gotcha. creating a, a ripe opportunity for uh, fraud to take place, and you know, just like any other industry, the electricity industry is not immune to it. So it's 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 become it's, it's going to become very important for utilities to be able to detect those types of things. And, and to me, that's, that's another very, very important area where uh, analytics uh, could be applied and should be applied. Could help. Yeah, absolutely. And, and it does, for instance, in the banking world, hugely so. Um, so I, I hear what you're saying. We have um, consumers uh, feeling the pinch um, and that effect, effectively creating a knock-on effect to the power companies themselves also feeling the pinch, having to look hard at how they balance their books, juggle their revenues, um, handle things perhaps they didn't have to handle before, uh, such as you know customer defaults and uh, or large scale customer defaults, and indeed perhaps the, the, the increased prevalence of fraud. So these are speaks to some sort of new operational um, effectiveness that they're going to have to they're going to have to sort of look hard at themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, I know in your um, heroic attempt to educate me about this industry about, about which everybody i'm a complete novice i love the heroic um, part I'll, I'll take that <laughs> i'm sure you do <laughs> i'll take heroic any day um but heroic yes uh trying to teach me you have you have um shown me this thing called the duck curve and i know we're going to spend a few minutes on this just talking about what it is how it works and how it really speaks to the changing nature of electricity sort of consumption generation and and mm-hmm. you know all the the things we can infer from from this mm-hmm. chart so just for those people watching on the video we do intend to sort of flash this video this image up on screen so you can see it throughout the period that we're talking about it and you can have the sort of the chart close at hand as as sal explains you know what what it all means for us all um so sal take us through this thing called the duck chart i mean it does look like a duck so that's the first thing um but what is, what's the story of the duck chart simon you're you're making us all hungry so i'm <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna try and make us hungry not for food but for renewables um, quite so so if you look at the chart as itself, think of it as a, uh, from the perspective of a system. Um, so maybe look at it from the utilities angle or, or a system level perspective. What it's showing is the net demand that the grid sees uh, throughout the course of a day. Okay. And what it's showing is, so historically, the situation was we actually didn't have a duck. We had something of a camel. Uh, and what that what that showed us, it, it had two humps. So this one hump was in, in the morning time when everybody would be going to work. So the demand right. for electricity uh, would would go up, and yep. then we'd get to work, and then you know it it, it somewhat would level out. Uh, factories would be running um, and stuff. Right. And then there would be a second hump, which would come in the evening when everybody gets back to uh, their homes right. and, and okay. you know use their appliances, et cetera, et cetera. Cool. So yep. that was the. The historical picture, and that that varies based on where you may be in the world, depending on seasonality, weather, and, and a whole bunch of other factors. But typically, that's that's the pattern that 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 we get to see. Yes. Now, 
the duck curve is um, what what is that the duck curve shows what is that pattern or what is that pattern going to look like with the advent of renewables and in particular solar energy so that's that's what the dark curve is trying to show. Got you. So let, let me just understand this. So, so it's, it's as if the, the right-hand side and the left-hand side of this chart have remained very consistent for, for many years. Um, you know, and I see on the chart, you know, we've got 2012 all the way through to 2020. So we've got eight years or so mm. represented on this chart. And the, and the, the right and the left-hand side are almost identical, really. It's, it's the middle, which I know we, you've, you've called the belly of the duck, and I can see why. Mm-hmm. Um, with every year, this thing gets lower and lower and lower and lower. So uh, what are you saying? That this is, this is the impact of solar and renewable energy? Mm-hmm. Um, so so how, how's that coming around? What, what, what exactly is that? So let's just talk about that a little more. So as right. solar comes on... The draw right. from the grid is reduced so, year after year. So what, what's happening is as, as solar is coming on more and more, so more and more people are putting solar panels on. In fact, North Carolina, right. which is where uh, SAS is headquartered out of, uh, we, you know, it's, it's been the second largest state when it comes to solar penetration in the United States. Wow. Um, okay. So, so these, numbers, these numbers are going up and you know, they're, they're going to continue to go up because of what we discussed in the last episode, thanks to um, cheaper manufacturing costs and leading to cheaper right. prices for these types of technologies. So as, as more and more gets deployed, what that means is people are needing less and less from the grid, right? So I can use my own electricity. I- Right? Because they're consuming their own power. Exactly, exactly. So, Sorry, penny dropping, finally. <laughs> yes, getting it now. Right, so, what, and what that does is it, exas- it exacerbates or accelerates the, the, uh, the effect that we're seeing of the belly dropping down more and more each year. I see. Because right. as more and more are getting solar panels, as in this case, uh, we're needing less and less from the grid. So the net effect that the grid sees is that this belly is getting steeper and steeper. I'm now, interestingly enough... Uh, you know, as this belly gets steeper, we got to remember the sun doesn't shine all the time, right? I wish it did because we could be out at the beaches longer. In the UK, um, it never shines, so that's okay. <laughs> <laughs> We're used to that. But I get your point. Yeah. Right. So when when evening comes in, uh, you know, there's this, there's this, you know, the second hump of the camel, remember? Right. So, so this how, is the steep slope on the right. Yeah. Right. Right. So as, as the belly gets steeper because of renewables, but we still have, you know, this peak in the evening, there's this steep curve that's, uh, that's forming and it's getting steeper okay. and steeper thanks to more and more renewables getting on. So the question then becomes, you know, how, do we, how do we solve that challenge? Because that basically means a whole bunch of generation sources have to come online you know, at, at very minimal notice. And, and very quickly, and, yes, absolutely. And, and, and provide all that electricity. So in, in our world, it's not that easy. Well, no, I bet it's not. I mean, it wouldn't be for any industry. I mean, I, I guess I, as a novice, you know, I look at this chart and because I work for SAS, so I, I like a bit of data, you know, yeah. that gets me that gets me going a little bit. But I can see from this chart, that, you know, if you take twenty twelve versus twenty twenty, it's coming up a it's forty to fifty percent drop in the middle of the day in the amount of power that's being drawn yeah, yeah. from the grid, which is you know that's a really huge movement given that the the two sides of the graph, the two sort of extremities, are almost the same, mm-hmm. and the belly is where all the action's happening. That's an awfully big drop in the middle but as you say you've then got this enormous peak you've got to manage on the right hand side as everyone comes home and wants to turn the tv on um yeah. that's that's not easy for i mean the power generators must that must be hellishly difficult to handle yeah and, and simon this is again another area where uh, analytics is going to become increasingly important uh to right. forecast these types of situations um, got you 
essentially, perhaps you can even call it uh, demand forecasting or energy forecasting. And it's not just looking at you know electricity consumption, but it's also looking at diverse variables that you know our industry may not have looked at before. So one such variable is cloud covering, right? So is there is there a way that we can predict when or how clouds can impact the the solar panels? Because if the cloud cover is there, we're not going to get the optimal output from the solar panels. That it's what it's rated for. I'm with you. So it's yep. it's uh, it's opening up a, a a very major play for the application of analytics to drive value uh, for for not just generators but even the the consumers themselves. I'm with you, and I and I, I see I see what you mean about the weather forecasting angle. And I, and I know retailers, for instance, have always placed a lot of store on. Um, Pardon the pun store, but it's around the weather. If the weather's, for instance, if the weather's terrible, people don't go mm-hmm. shopping in the UK. If it's raining like hell, people just don't go. And so, it didn't occur to me that it was a feature in the in the power industry. Uh, but I, I see that that would would have an effect. And clearly, with wind power, you'd expect you know windy conditions similar, needed yeah. to drive term time. It's a similar idea. Uh, well, how does it work, Sal? With I mean, I guess there's, there are other things. I mean, it's just beyond weather. I mean, we we know that there are forest fires in California at the moment. Mm-hmm. And I know a big storm, because my friends in North Carolina tell me this, a big storm just came through and swept in off the east coast mm-hmm. and, and mm-hmm. made landfall in North Carolina. Presumably, these impacts too have a, have, would, could have a, a, an effect on the you know, um, renewables yeah, and yeah. Uh, power yeah. and, and shortages and lines down and all this stuff. This presumably is all part of the same mix, is it? Yeah. And when we put all those things in the context of this pandemic – we're sort of looking Whoa. at the creation of the perfect storm. So yes. if we focus on the U.S., you know, on the East Coast, typically we get hammered with storms and, it's, you know, it's, it's that time of the year. And um, we now are also in an environment where a lot of the, a lot of the workforce and the utilities, the, the crews out there, you know, they're, they're also under, um, you know, uh, conditions where we have social distancing as an example, right? So there's, there's a lot of those optimization things happening in the workforce side as well. So it's, it's, it's breeding the perfect storm on the East Coast. And then when we come to the West Coast, we have these situations with wildfires. And right. um, they don't seem to be going away. And it's, I would argue that's not just the United States. Even places like Australia are, are suffering yeah. through these types it's of issues. Yeah. And yeah, yeah. add to that the pandemic, right? So it's, again, the perfect storm on, on, on the West Coast as well. Now the question becomes, um, uh, you know, how, how can we better... How can we better analyze and tell when and where uh, these types of events may occur, or what are the conditions that are going to create these types of events? Now, it, it, it's yes. um, th- this won't be a perfect science. Um, you know, if, if I could predict the future, I'd be hanging out in Vegas quite a bit. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Nothing so ever is to begin with, but you, I mean, right. you get better at it. It's analytics right. so, is a journey. Exactly. It's not you don't just buy it. You, you, it, you learn it and take the journey. And exactly. I can really see that this is uh, this is a key a key skill set that uh, is going to need be needed uh, to solve these these challenges because they are significant. And you know, the duck curve alone was enough for me to tell me that this is right. this is this is really hard. Um, where you've got to sort of find power at the flick of a switch to, you know, when you've got people at home and um, the changing the changing pattern of work, people working from home, yeah, people yeah, not commuting. Yeah. Um, wow! In fact, I mean, it, that's in fact a- Simon, the the duck curve itself has shown an interesting trend. So for many years, you know, we've been seeing this thing coming down and down, or the belly right. getting bigger and bigger. What the pandemic has done is also um, uh, flattened the belly. So it's sort of like. Um, the duck curve oh, right. went for a, a workout routine or is hanging out at the gym quite a bit. 
Um, Got you. And, and that's because as people are staying home during those, you know, previously working hours, eight to five, whatever, um, they're, they're, they're now using more and more of that electricity because they're staying at home. Whereas previously they, they weren't at home. So all that electricity would be, would be out there and and the demand would be, uh, the net demand would be less on the system. But now that, that it's, it's sort of elevating a little, um, or it's going up. Uh, but that's, uh, to me that. I, I feel that's the that's the impact of the pandemic. Um, right. I, at least for myself, long term, I, I continue to see the the trend of this you know this belly getting steeper and steeper, and it, it creates a the, the belly getting steeper also creates a really interesting perspective when it comes to the the pricing side, which is what I mentioned in the beginning. Now, you know, basic supply and demand economics, right? So, is uh, let's look at pre-pandemic here where the belly is steeper. Now I'm I'm needing less and less electricity from the grid. So guess what? The demand is less, right? So right, the prices also come down. Got you. And 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 yet there has to be a sufficient uh, ability to produce peak load. Um, yes. And at different points in the day, if you if yep. you if you've got infrastructure scaled for the peak, and, and at various points in the day, you're nowhere near that peak. You've got power and and no no one to buy it. I guess. Yep. And we're going to provide a potential. Um, uh, vision for that, uh, but we're we're going to leave that as uh, somewhat of a suspense in this episode as to how, how uh, that can be tackled. Got you, got you, got you, got you. Well, Sal, I'm looking at the time here, and I guess we probably need to sort of draw this thing to a close. And I, I guess um, you know, COVID nineteen has turned the world on its head in in 2020. It's a period like no other in in living memory, and we don't have really any parallels or precedents to inform us. And I guess we've just been talking about some of that, how this is going to be a, a difficult new situation for the industry. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, a part of the uh, the changes we've all made, the lockdowns we've experienced, we, we have noticed some big changes. And we talked about this a little bit last time, you know, the clear skies, no planes, mm-hmm. no traffic, um, reductions in pollution, mm. city smog. Yeah. Um, a glimpse of of a clean energy future, perhaps, and so perhaps the pandemic, despite all of its effects on individuals and the industry, there there is a sort of an upside to this. And I guess, well, Definitely. I guess that that's there's you know it, it will it, that itself will will see changes in in the future. Uh, Definitely, Sam. Simon. Yeah, and um, yeah, all excellent points. And I would also add that if the pandemic has shown us anything, it's that you know our importance and. Uh, need for electricity is only going to increase as we move into this future. Yeah, uh, we've seen situations now, uh, unfortunately, in, um, in 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 some countries in Asia and, and Africa where um, some of the population, or actually significant parts of the population, are still not electrified, or or they they don't have access to electricity. Right. And what the pandemic has, you know, shown is that to be able to conduct a lot of these tests for COVID nineteen, you actually need electricity. And when the right. vaccine comes, you're going to need the vaccine to be under certain temperature control, it's right? Refrigerated, yeah, absolutely. exactly. So any. Um, any impact on the reliability of electricity can have devastating effects on the healthcare side as well. And this has been shown repetitively in, in many different parts of the world. This has come up even in this country, in the United States. Um, mm. So what, what's to me an interesting um, theme emerging here is, is this importance of electricity is going to be amplified in, in the healthcare sector. So we're going to be yeah. looking at things like potentially microgrids where a lot of yeah. consumers may be looking at, you know, how do they how do they isolate themselves um, from a, from a system electricity perspective and be able to generate and consume their own power? 
Um, because, you know, what if a storm comes in on the East Coast or what if, you know, a wildfire happens on the West Coast? In fact, in California, they're already looking at, um, you know, massive uh, deployments of microgrids, uh, at least at the the state regulator level. So like a security, like an energy security sort of um, basically, yeah, yeah, resilience. um, Yes, resilience. Exactly. Great word. Great word. And um, the to me, again, this is another area where, you know, when when these things um, are going to be in play, and in fact, they are they already are in, in big numbers. You know how do you how do you balance you know which which type of resource is going to be the most applicable? So in in this case of microgrid, you can have a diesel generator, you can have a solar panel, you can have uh, some energy right. storage. You know how do you optimize um, these different resources so that you get the best output uh, for for the be- or get the best bang for your buck? Absolutely, absolutely. So. Gosh, I mean, huge, wide-ranging impacts uh, right across the piece. We could keep going on, Simon. <laughs> we could, we could. And unfortunately, we can't because other, our audience would, yeah. uh, well, you know, they'll, be, they'll need a cup of tea soon, I expect, just to go back to the beginning. Um, <laughs> British tea. Was, uh, British tea, made the proper way, not, not in a silly way. Um, yeah. Well, listen, thank you so much, Sam, as ever, uh, for all these uh, fascinating insights. Um, just to try to wrap this up then, join us again soon for our next episode, which we're going to call Saving Our Planet. And we're going to pick up this whole theme of renewables and where renewables is going to go and how it will transform the world and Sal was just touching on that in and around microgrids but thank you so much for joining us today please come back and see us again soon and so until then it's goodbye from me Simon Hughes and from Sal Gill thank you everybody bye bye thank you very much indeed goodbye